the station with all your music in one place. 99.7 WGOD, winning God across the nation. Feel good hits. Welcome to your radio station, your Christian radio station, WGOD, where we listen to Skip and Amy in the morning for your positive Christian vibes and Christian music, even though it sounds like the same song all the time. Now, we want to give some praise reports. So, let's get our first caller in here. Hi, I'm Charlene Dallas, and I just wanted to say the Lord has blessed me this week. My son is no longer a drug user. Thank you, WGOD. All right, we thank the Lord for that one. Let's get our last caller. Yeah, my name is Randy, and uh, I just want to thank WGOD for the $1,000 that I called in being the ninth caller uh, when when I called in for the Hillsong Praise Break. And uh, the radio station I'm repping is WGOD. You heard it, you heard it here. WGOD, you're listening to Christian Radio. Stay tuned because at 8.30, we're giving away tickets to God's Not Dead 15. You won't want to miss that. WGOD. This is the station with all your music in one place. Hi, I'm Chris. And I'm Micah. And this is the Dota Box Podcast. Episode 36, we're doing great. Hey, I know we shouted about last week, but want to give a special shout out to our friend Zach. And he's been listening very consistently, always messages us and tells us great show. So we appreciate that, Zach. Or as we like to call him, Zacharoni and Cheese. I don't know if you remember, Zach. That one time we went to Target, got lightsabers, and then we had a lightsaber fight on the playground. That was a great time. But anyways, we're going to fast forward to that. Uh, Through that, we are jumping into our old-fashioned donut, which is a story from our past. Now, let me tell you, Mike and I, we always hung out together a lot growing up. Uh, Most of the time, I was over at his house. And as teenage boys do... We don't like to go to sleep at 8.30. Now, I have to go to sleep at least before midnight most nights. Ain't that right, Micah? Yeah, it, it doesn't It doesn't work well. I wish I was a kid again because back then I could stay up to like 3 in the morning, get up at 7 and be just okay. But we're getting to be old men. So we would stay up all night and we would watch TV. And if you've ever watched TV at 3 a.m. in the morning, you get very interesting infomercials and commercials. Most of them are selling products that you have no idea what they're for, or they're for drug rehab places. So Mike and I, being the brilliant children that we were, now let me tell you this. We had like Xbox and PlayStation and stuff, but it wasn't as big of a thing. So we had to come up with our own fun. And whenever Mike and I get together, we always cause some kind of trouble. So we decided that we were going to call some of these uh, places that were advertising. So tell them about some of these places that we called we prank called one in particular that i remember it was a drug rehab center out of michigan and we called on behalf of one of and and this was the bad thing it was actually somebody from our church who had happened to be like he was he was a known alcoholic like for sure he would show up to church smelling like alcohol like it, it was just a straight alcoholic and so we said we should call on this guy's behalf and so we called 
uh, and I was it was me calling, and I remember I was posing as a pastor, and I was just like I was just like yeah, and for some reason it was always Houston, Texas. We always chose Houston, Texas. We're from Houston, and so. You know, it was, and of course, I had to have my uh, my like southern preacher accent to where I was sitting there, and it's just like, yes, I'm calling on behalf of one of my congress members or congregation members, and you know, we would tell him the name, and literally, we went through this whole entire story about how he's struggling. He's been struggling for years, and his kids, oh God, bless him, and we literally just would go through this whole entire thing. And be like, would you mind if we would go up there and drop him off? And, you know, of course they would all say, well, he has to come in on his own accord. It can't be anything that you do, in, you know, anything involuntarily. Um, and we would say, oh, okay, well, thank you very much. And then at the end of every call, I'd never forget, I'd always pray for him. And it was not like the typical, like, I'm actually praying for you. It was always the typical, like, it's like, it's like, what's your name? And it's just like, Betsy, Betsy, all right. It's like, Lord, we just come before you today asking to bless Betsy as she answers the phones for this cause and get the people the help they need. And we would just go on this whole thing. That's one that I remember. What's, what's another one that you remember? So it was probably two or three in the morning, and we there was a infomercial for this, um, how should I say this, male enhancement device i won't tell you the name of the company but it was supposed to help you if you were having trouble uh you know with your wife in the bedroom area if you if you can't get your lightsaber to power on we called that number and we pretended to be i guess mike from houston but like we were asking all those questions and we gave him this big old sob story about how we were having problems and that our wife was about to leave us, be over this whole deal, and we would ask them all these questions and stuff like that. And then we, on the flip side of the first call that we told you about, the drug and rehab place, we were watching Christian television, and they have the prayer hotlines, and this was like the national ones. And we were we called, and of course, we were always Mike from Houston. And we said, you know what? I'm having marital problems. I can't please my wife in the way that she needs to be pleased. And it's causing a divorce problem. So can you just please ask that God would help us in that? And uh, they would pray for us. And uh, we would go into this whole elaborate story. And then I also remember, I don't know if you remember this one, Micah. It was probably maybe four in the morning or it was a little bit later. And we would look up a hotel in in uh the city that we were at and we would call him just ask for a random name we'd be like hi is uh teresa staying there and they'd be like well sir we can't give you that information uh and we'd be like dang it i knew i knew she was cheating on me i knew that she was cheating with the neighbor fabian down the street and we would just go on and on and be like you tell teresa that i said if she don't come home i'm taking everything i'm taking the kids i'm taking the furniture and they'd be like uh sir we can't give you in that information i'm like well i'm her husband ain't I? I need to know that information and we would go on and on and on and we did this for like hours now let me I know a lot of you are thinking, well, didn't they have caller ID? Well, there was a way that we could get around that. What was it? Star 67? Is that how we got around it? Star 67. Star 67. It would make unknown numbers. And this is before, like, everybody was scam calling around. So everybody would answer an unknown number, especially these corporations or 800 numbers. They would answer it. No big deal. So, <clears throat> or even hotels, you know. But nowadays, you probably couldn't do that because not a lot of people 
answer unknown calls, but <laughs> yeah, I, I do remember that one. I remember a lot of them actually, and it was like Chris said, it was always like one or two in the morning. We would see these infomercials. They'd put a number across the screen, and it's just like it's over with. Call the number, <laughs> and we would just come up with something on the fly, and uh, yeah, it was it was pretty great. Uh, I'm trying to think of some other ones that happened. Well, we actually took it a step further. And one day we were just bored and we said, you know what, we should just go into this jewelry store. And we were probably, I was probably 17, 18, maybe I was a little bit older oh, yeah. and we just decided, yeah. you know what, we're going to go into this jewelry store and we have nothing to do. And we're going to make them think that I'm looking for an engagement ring. And I went in there and I pretended that I was this big oil field guy. And granted, we were living in Georgia at the time. So these guys didn't really know what oil field workers look like and i wore my cowboy boots my cowboy hat and i was like yeah i'm looking to get married and i would like string them along and i'd be like get to the point right as they were about to sell me i'm like oh yeah no 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 let's look at another one and then right as we were about to make the sale i would be like you know what i need to go home i need to think about this i don't want to make a hasty decision and then where else did we go micah uh we went to a few car dealerships i remember that um well for the car dealerships we, we had this friend of ours who had this really nice truck. So whenever we would go to the car dealerships, we would always make sure we were riding in the really nice truck because all the salesmen would run out there because they'd be like, oh, we're about to get like a good sale. And of course, we would use the story, yeah, we're back from the oil field and we've got a bunch of cash on us kind of thing. Yeah, and I think we even test drove a few cars and then we would like cut. Yes, we, we did. get almost to the finance <laughs> office, almost to the paperwork part. And we would be like, all right, no, we needed a better, better deal. And right before we had to get to the finance part, then that's when we would, we would cut out. So, um, I don't think this one was with you, but we did that for a boat one time. We went into, um, where was it? It was Gander Mountain when Gander Mountain was still open, I think. And they had, you know, boats sitting there, like the Bass Tracker, like the really expensive ones, you know, $30,000. And I mean, we made it to the finance office. Like we were, we were new. <laughs> they're about to run my credit and everything before I, before I like backed out of the deal. Like we would, we would get really far into the deal. Like we would, we'd get really far into it before we would back out of it. Yeah, it came back to bite us because whenever we worked at the boot corral, uh, both of us had stints of sale, stints as salesmen, and people kind of did that to us, and so. Uh, I think it was God's way of telling us, hey, don't don't mess around. But we we had our own fun and it was so hilarious to call those numbers and to make up all these stories. And it was just harmless fun. I think it was a great way to have fun. And it was free. And that was the best part. That was the best part about the whole thing. Yeah, because neither of us had jobs and we would always be like, what's something that we can do that's free and is entertaining? And that's what we would do. But yeah, that's about the time that we would make prank calls and it was great so our next segment is the jelly donut which is the jail report now i have three stories for you and they're both pretty different but they're both very interesting so are you ready yeah i'm ready all right the headline goes this someone did not think a man for holding the door so he pulled a gun <laughs> all right what? this was at a local family dollar store in connecticut Joshua, uh, we'll just say Joshua. Joshua held the door for two women at a family dollar store in Connecticut on Saturday afternoon and got upset, customers say, when they didn't thank him. Really upset. 
Joshua, who was 25, is accused of brandishing a gun in his anger and pointing it at multiple customers, police reports say. The police officers arrested Joshua near the business and they say he interfered with them while they took him into custody. He is charged with carrying a pistol without a permit, a felony, plus misdemeanor charges of interfering with an officer and two counts of second degree breach of peace. No one was injured in the incident. So, I mean, I've always been there whenever you hold the door for someone and they don't even have the common courtesy to say thank you. That always just fries my donuts. I'm like, man, but I would never go to the point of brandishing a gun. Maybe homie was just having a really bad day. Maybe. I mean, he pulled a gun. He was like, you're going to tell me thank you. <laughs> I mean, jeez. Yeah, matters matter. All right, this next one. Man steals a cop car and then he responds to a emergency call. All right, you ready for this? Oh, good for him. It's one thing to steal a marked police car. It's another to respond to an emergency call in that same car. Authorities in Colorado say that Mr. Taylor, who is 33, did that just this week. The county sheriff's office says that Mr. Taylor first stole the vehicle from a sheriff's facility about 3 a.m. Monday, then responded to a domestic violence call that came over the radio about 30 minutes later. In fact, he was allegedly first on the scene, prompting the couple at the house to complain to a dispatcher that the responding deputy seemed drunk. Mr. Taylor fled the scene when actual deputies arrived, according to the sheriff's office. The vehicle was spotted again about two hours later, leading to a high-speed chase that ended with Mr. Taylor running to the woods, says authorities. He was arrested there on charges including impersonating a police officer, car theft, resisting arrest, and reckless driving. Mr. Taylor also reportedly suffered self-inflicted knife wounds before his arrest, but he was treated and released from the hospital and then transferred to the county jail. Dang. That sounds like some Grand Theft Auto <laughs> stuff, man. Like, first of all, how did he even get the police car? Like, how did he even steal it? I don't know. I mean, unless unless they don't keep him locked up at uh, at the local police station. Like, they keep him out in the open and the door was unlocked. Um, either that or <laughs> there was another officer responding to something else. And while they were busy doing that, they took the car. But wouldn't they be on high alert? Like, you know, Unit 56 has been stolen. My question is, is was he like wearing clothes that resemble the police officer? Because when he showed up to the domestic violence call, I mean, first thing, if he's got the police car and then he steps out of the car, like they're going to realize he's not wearing a cop's uniform. But for me, the hard part is what about undercover? Like the first thing that people think about is like, oh, maybe this is like an undercover officer or something like that in regular street clothes or something. I don't know. But generally, undercover officers don't respond to domestic violence or domestic disturbance calls. Right. Like, most of the time, that's not what happens. But, like, I have heard of instances where they will have to assist something that's, like, nearby if they don't have anything going on. But I, I don't know. It, I don't know how he took that car. It's baffling to me. All right. Well, this last and final story takes place in guess which state our favorite state florida yes it does all right here we go man posed as disney world worker and moved an r2d2 statue are you ready for that yeah according to authorities mr david posed as a worker at disney world and moved a ten thousand dollar replica of r2d2 from its place at a disney resort according to mr david he was just trying to do the park a favor 
The news reports that 44-year-old Kissimmee resident was arrested on May 31st after deputies from the Orange County Sheriff's Office responded to a call at the Swan Reserve Hotel where Disney security officers say that they spotted Mr. David pushing a cart around the property and became suspicious. Mr. David, who deputies say was wearing a Disney name tag with his name on it, claimed he was an employee at another Disney hotel, the Yacht Club Resort. However, when one of the officers offered to help him with the cart, Mr. David seemed confused as to where the loading docks were, and so they called the police. When deputies arrived, they say Mr. David first told them his name, he gave them a fake name, and that he had been tasked to move items from one Disney location to another. His story started to unravel when a deputy brought him to the Yacht Club Resort to get his belongings, and he once more seemed confused and couldn't open his supposed employee locker. That's when the deputy noticed that uh, Mr. David had a wallet on his person, which held an ID with his real name. He then immediately he admitted to moving the R2-D2 from the Swans Hotel's third floor to an unknown location, as well as moving a game machine. Mr. David told the authorities he had no plans to actually take the items off Disney property and that his motives had been good. So he was applying for to be a security guard position that was pending, and he wanted to show weaknesses in the security of the resorts, according to an affidavit. But when police carried out a search warrant at his home, they say they found Disney items worth thousands of dollars, including a $700 gold necklace and several bathroom light fixtures. Um, so yeah. He's held on bond right now. So he is alleging that, oh, this is just part of the job interview. I was just trying to show you guys why I would be perfect for the job because you have security weaknesses here and there. So he was <laughs> saying it was a uh, job application. He was just trying to help. I mean, I don't see why they're so mad at the guy. He was just trying to help and show that uh, he could carry R2-D2 off. No problem. I mean, it's, it is a $10,000 replica of R2-D2, but it sounds like that stuff that he had was pretty heavy, so I wonder how he actually moved it. Yeah, I don't know, but um, the rest of the stuff that he stole, like the light fixtures and such, did he get that from Disney Parks as well, and then there were just pieces that have been reported stolen over time, and they just kind of found it in his possession, I guess? No, all of it was from the Disney Parks. I don't know why he would want bathroom light fixtures, but they were all from the Disney Parks. Uh, he sounds like one of those Disney nuts or like, you know, somebody that's just overly crazed. It's like, I got to have this, you know, I don't know. Very weird. That was definitely a very interesting story. Uh, so, yeah, that's the Jelly Donut. That's our jail report. You never know what you're going to find on the on the jail report. That's why we do it. It's very interesting. So our next segment is the donut hole. And so we're going to go back to my movie picks of the week. And I kind of already told Mike about this, but my movie pick of the week, it's an old one. It's called Boiler Room. Mike, have you ever seen it? I have it. But yeah, you, you told me about it. Um, but yeah, I, I haven't seen it. So this movie came out in 2000. Uh, if you study business or any kind of like economics or you're going to school to be like a stockbroker or anything, they make you watch this movie. Um, so the way that this goes it is about a young man and he's running an illegal casino business out of out of his house and his dad is a judge and his dad is like you know what i really don't like you running this business and his, him and his dad have a strained relationship and he's trying to like earn his dad's approval and his friends come by and they say you know what you can make a whole bunch of money being a stockbroker and he goes to this interview process and the guy that's pitching the job to him 
he's played by Ben Affleck, and he's saying, you know what, you're going to make your first million dollars in six months. And I guarantee it. All you have to do, you're going to be a trainee. We're going to pay you $150 for three months. And then you're going to take your stockbroker test. And then once you pass it, you can start making money, which it seems legit, right? But it turns out that they're actually selling fake stocks. And uh, this guy, the main character, he's starting to pick up on it. He's like, wait a second. All these things are not adding up. Like, how are we getting our money? How are we able to make more money than the other stockbroking companies? And everyone he talks to says, you know what? We've never heard of this stockbroking firm. Like, we, it's not even near Wall Street. We don't even know who you guys are. And he's, he's an incredible salesman. Like, the guy is talented. And then he starts learning that there are flaws in the upper management, and he starts learning all these things. Meanwhile, the FBI is monitoring him, and they're going to try to take him down, and they're going to try to use uh, the main character to try to take this business down. And it's really interesting to see the progression and to see like just the scam that's going on behind it. It was a very interesting movie. It was two and a half hours, but I was entertained from start to finish. Um, it's got Vin Diesel in it, and Vin Diesel actually has hair, which is very kind of interesting. And it's got Nia Long in it, and it's got a whole bunch of different reputable actors in it. And so I use it as a movie pick because the storytelling is just great. The directing is great. I wasn't bored. I love movies that tell a great story, and so that's why I choose it as the movie pick of the week. Yeah, very nice, man. Yeah, anybody that loves like heist movies and things like that, it sounds like they would enjoy that. Um, I actually want to see it because I like movies like that. Um, so that, that sounds really interesting. It's very interesting to see like the ethical side of it because this guy is like trying to earn his dad's approval and like his dad is like, oh yeah, my son's finally got a great job. Like he's bragging to all of his friends and like he doesn't, he knows what he's doing is wrong, but he doesn't want to lose like his dad's approval. And it's interesting because he's a really good salesman. Like he's really good at it. And he's like, I finally found something I good, I'm good at it, but at the same time, I'm ripping all these people off. And he's kind of wrestling with that moral, uh, ethical situation. And it's really good to watch him wrestle with that. The character development was great. Um, I mean, I thought it was a good movie. So you guys should definitely check it out. If you haven't seen it, uh, it's on Pluto TV for free if you want to go watch it. Yeah, Pluto TV is awesome. I don't want to plug it on here, but, you know. Um... <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's cool. So, yeah, go go check that out. Go check that out. Great donut hole, Chris. Yep. So, our next segment is what fries my donuts? And <laughs> what fries your donuts? What fries my donuts? I'm glad you asked. People who don't tell the stinking truth. Now, I deal with this all the daggum time. And it's, it's, the, it's over the smallest stuff. I mean, my thing is... Honesty is so important. Like, uh, let, let me just give you an example. Why lie to someone? You know, and this is a work example. And you know, yes, I'm a manager over some people. So I asked this particular person to do a job. And I asked them, okay, did you take care of this for me? Yes, I did. Okay. My thing is, why tell someone that? When you know full on well, they're going to find out that you didn't. I mean, it's it's literally like I am going to find out that you didn't. Why? Because people are going to come beating on my door going, why is this not done now? And then I'm going to look into it and say, wow, they lied straight to my face. 
I, I really I really don't understand that. Either that or the people who play oblivious and dumb to everything. They know full on well what's going on. And it aggravates the mess out of me when people are like, Oh no, I have no idea. What what what? What are you talking about? I, I don't know. No, no. And you're sitting there going I mean, I was in a meeting today, today, where literally we brought up something and said, hey, you remember we were talking about that in the last couple of months? We had all these meetings. We had all this. What? What? That happened? When When? When did, when did that happen? When, when did we do that? I don't remember talking about that. And you're sitting here and you're going, I'm not crazy. I know other people aren't crazy. And, you know, I got off the, I got off the phone with, you know, got off the meeting with people, asked everybody else. I'm like, am I crazy? I could have swore we talked about that just a couple months ago. Oh, no, we did. Oh, so they're lying to my face. Oh, fantastic. Like, why would you do that? I, I lost so much respect for you over such a small... I mean, all you would have to say is, yeah, I remember talking about that. We decided not to go that direction with it. What, what's so hard about that? Like, I, I feel like a lot of people would rather opt for, I'm going to lie to your face and, you know, be totally okay with that, then literally just tell the simple truth because the simple truth wouldn't have hurt anybody's feelings or anything. I mean, I don't understand. Yeah, it goes back to everybody's scared to hurt other people's feelings or they're scared of getting in trouble or disappointing people. And that's not a justification, but I, I think that is some of the reason why they do it. And it, it is very disheartening whenever it's like the people that you least expect, like you held, like you thought better of them. You would think never in a million years would they lie to me or the fact that I can't trust you to do something. I hate that whenever I'm like, did you get this done? And they're like, oh yeah, I got it done. And then it's a constant thing of, I always have to go back behind them and check that they did it because they told me they did it. But in reality, they never did. Or people that are like, oh, yeah, you know what? Like, I'm going to be here at this time, I promise. And then they just don't show up. Then they just ghost you. And you're just like, bro, like, what the heck happened? And no communication. But, yeah, those people that are oblivious to everything, they're like, what? No. Or people that, like, they don't remember when they said something mean to you. And you know full well on. They know what you're talking about. And they're like, Oh, yeah, no, that never happened. That never happened. It's like, yeah, I remember it happened because you said X, Y, and Z to me. You did X, Y, and Z. What? I never did that. And you're just like, yes, you did, dude. I have hey, proof. When when did that happen? I don't remember that. Ha I, don't, I don't remember that. And the, the thing is, it's it's very, you know, you're, you're dishonoring the person you're talking to in a lot of ways. And it's, it's real disrespectful. I mean... To me, it's something that I value because I've been lied to a lot in my life. Um, something I value more than anything is the cold, honest truth. Even if it hurts, I'd rather you tell me the absolute truth and me be pissed off about the truth than be pissed off at the fact of... Because at the end of the day, the truth's still the truth, and it's going to come out. And then I'm double mad because I'm like, they lied to me, and the truth sucks. So, you know, it's just... I don't know. It, it's aggravating, and it's something that I go through a lot. It's like Chris said, especially in the work environment. It's like now I got to go back and check behind you every single time I ask you to do something. That's creating a task for me. That's creating extra work for me. And really, it should be something as simple as. And it, it's really, I mean, the kind of work that we're talking about is five minutes end of day typical wrap up activities. Like should be done regularly, not a like, 
I have this, you know, huge project that I need you to finish tomorrow or something. You know, it's nothing outlandish. It's all it's always very basic. And then it, you find out it hasn't been done. And then they lie to your face. And then when you come in and you confront them, this, this was the big thing. When I confronted this person about it, what did they say? No, no, no. I, I did it. I did it. What are you talking about? I did it. Who said that I didn't? Um, well, everybody. The report didn't show up. You know, every everything that pointed to you not doing it. In fact, I see absolutely no no place where you even try to do it. What? Oh, what? You know, and they just act like so oblivious. Like, what are you talking? I worked hard on that. And they're like, whatever, man. Lying to my face. It just, uh, I, I'm going to go back to our original show, the Krispy Kreme show, where I said, yeah, right, dude, get out of my face. And that's how I feel about that. Yeah, that's a little throwback for y'all. One of the things that really irks me on that on that subject line is whenever you think everything is all good between you and another person and you're like, hey, man, like, are we good? And they're like, yeah, yeah, we're great. We're fine. And then not even five minutes later, you find out they've been talking bad about you behind their you know, behind your back, or they have some kind of beef with you. And if you have beef with someone, don't make them think that everything is fine when it's not. I hate that. Me thinking that everything is fine and great, and then to come to find out you have issues with me because of X, Y, and Z, or there's some kind of beef, or I'm not doing my job right, apparently. You know, that's that's my thing. I'd rather you be upfront, honest, Tell me like it is. I would take that and I'll respect you more and we can have a good friendship rather than you make me believe that everything is okay and then I come to find out we're really not. Now, and there's a balance for everything because the other opposite end of the spectrum is I hate those people. It's like, I'm a realist, okay? I'm just honest. But really what it comes down to is they want to be an a-hole about everything. And that's something that's totally different. You know, there's there's a way that you are honest to people. Um, you know, Kind of what if Chris hurt my feelings, right? And he came to me, and he and you know I communicated to him and said, "Listen, man, that wasn't cool what you said. Don't don't say that kind of thing again. That really that, that just didn't wasn't really good for me." He's like, "Hey, man, I'm sorry about that. I know Chris. He's gonna follow up a little later, and he's gonna say, "Hey, you doing okay? I'm really sorry about that. Are we cool? Is everything good?" And if I'm like, "Yeah, man, yeah, for sure, that we're 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 fine." But I'm still sitting here going, man, that son of a gun. I can't believe he said that. You know, and I mean, the right way to say it is, you know what? I hate to say it, but no, nah, man, it's still weighing on me a good bit. I've been thinking about what you said, and, you know, I know you, I, I accept your apology, but I'm still working on it with me. So for right now, nah, but we're, we're still working on it. And, you know, tell them, tell them the status that you're at. If you're mad, tell them, listen, hey, I'm mad. You don't have to yell and scream at somebody to tell them you're mad. You can say, listen, I'm just, I'm a little upset about this. It's not cool. I didn't think it was right. And I'm going to need my time. And the thing is, it's like if you're upfront and honest and they want to cross those boundaries, that's a them problem at that point. But if you're upfront and honest with them, it's like being in traffic and putting your left turn signal on when you're trying to get in the left-hand lane. It's just telling people, hey, here's where I'm going with that. 100%. I agree with you. So, yeah, be upfront. Be honest. Don't lie. That's that's maybe one of my pet peeves, like top, top two pet peeves. Totally get it there. Yeah. Uh, like I said, it's a lot of times... That's triggers for people that's been lied to one too many times. <laughs> yeah, 
It is. It is. It's it's in my top two pet peeves. The other one is when you don't put the cord back on the vacuum cleaner right and you just throw it on there and you don't wrap it back up right. But anyways, that's a soapbox <laughs> and I'll get off of that. See, anyways, we are going to move. What did you... Well, I was going to say? say I was going to say that's why you got to get the vacuum cleaner with the little button where it's just a little self-wrap thing. Have you seen those? Like I've got one of those where you it's like a little cord button and it'll it'll wrap it up for you to where you don't have to wrap it yourself. Oh, it it's not me that does it. It's other people. I'm just saying right now. It's other people. I do it and I'm specifically not trying to call out any names, but it's a cleaning crew at a certain location and every time I go in there the cord is just thrown back on the vacuum cleaner. But anyways, this is not what fries my donuts. <laughs> uh, be honest. Uh, it is what fries my donuts, but it's your week. But be honest, tell the truth. So we are going to move into our mystery donut, which is the improv segment. And this is our free improv. And man, I wonder what's going to be up today. We never know. We pick it at random. And so we're going to pick our accents. So Micah, go ahead and pick an accent for us. All right. I'm, let's see what we got here. Oh, it's our ever-favorite New Yorker Brooklyn accent. Okay, yeah, I like that one. All right, uh, let's pick a scenario out of the hat. All right, let's see here. At a town hall meeting. Okay, couple of Brooklyn guys at a town hall meeting. Do you want to start or do you want me to start? Uh, you can go ahead and start. All right, here we go. Well, welcome to the to the town hall meeting. I'm so glad all of you showed up today. Frankie, Orlando, Anthony over here. I'm so glad that all of you guys showed up. So let's uh, get this meeting started, if you know what I'm saying. Hey, here's my question. You talked about Proposition 148, and I thought we weren't supposed to be propositioning anybody. I thought that was against the law. But first of all, in Proposition 148, it talks about taxing us more. You talking about paying more? Come on! Listen here, I provide you with a service over here. I provide you with a protection service. First of all, don't tell me. I'll tell you about what the law is. You didn't go to effing law school. I went to effing law school. I got the Jews in my family and we're all lawyers. You understand me? I'm not going to tell you about the law. I don't tell you how to make calzones and pizza over there, Frankie. Now, you don't tell me about the law. Second thing... If you don't want your little calzone pizza shop to end up in a little pizza sauce everywhere all over the store, you're going to listen to me and you're going to start paying up. Oh, here's my question. You talk about having Jews in your family. Yeah, where are they from? And that's like saying I've got Jews in my family, but I'm from Hawaii. You know what I'm saying? You're from Italy. Your whole family's been from Italy. What's your problem? You say you have Jews. Who? You adopted somebody in your family we don't know about. Listen here, don't worry about my family. You need to start worrying about your family. Your son Anthony can't even cut out his freaking paper. You know what? The teacher sent you with a note home saying, you know what? Little Anthony can't even cut with the scissors. He's in third grade. What third grader doesn't know how to cut with the scissors? Hey, don't talk about Anthony. Anthony's got his problems. Trust me, I'm always trying to, to straighten him up. Tell him not to slouch and stuff. Tell him not to, to mess with old you know, pastors at their church and whatnot. But I can't help that. You know, my thing is the best that I can do is nap in certain rooms on Sunday morning and hope that he's doing okay. That's the only thing I can do. Listen here, you need to start 
You need to stop questioning my family. I've lived in this neighborhood for 32 years. I think I know what I'm talking about. Second of all, you need to worry about Anthony going to confession. The boy hasn't even been baptized yet. Yeah, the reason he hadn't been baptized, I'm worried he's going to inhale water when they dunk him under. He's not going to know to shut his freaking mouth. We have that problem at the house, too. He don't shut up. So, why am I gonna get him baptized? Just so he can goggle some water? Listen here, like father, like son, you don't shut the heck up, and I hear you have to yap at this town hall meeting when I'm trying to get Proposition 43 passed. I'm trying to get uh, the potholes filled in the road, because heaven knows, when I'm driving down the road, I keep going bump and bump and bump. What am I at, freaking Disney World? All I'm saying is, nothing's wrong with the freaking roads. You know what you need to fix? You need to fix your ugly face. That's what you need to fix. Yeah, you need an emergency nose reduction, big nose. That's the thing. Nose over here. Why don't you worry about yourself, you junk wagon? Hey, oh. Well, you're talking about my pizza business over here. You're talking about my son. You're lucky I don't come over there and suck, suck you in the face. What's next? You're going to talk about somebody's mother? Oh, you're bragging about your pizza business. Well, we'll see about that. When the health inspector comes down there and closes it down, you might find a little rats, find a little roaches in your pizza sauce and your calzones. Listen, if D'Antoni's pizza closes because of some stupid city ordinance, some guy, Ron Carfuki or something, comes in there and tries to shut down my business. I know what that guy looks like, too. He's tried to come in there before and say that I use my pizza sauce from a can. And by the way, it's not sauce, it's gravy. Everybody knows that. All I'm saying is if somebody shuts this down... I'm coming back here, and I'm going to burn this place to the ground. Alright, well that was our mystery donut. I hope you guys enjoyed that. The Brooklyn accent, and I think the preacher accent, is probably my favorite that we get to do. So it's a fun time. I'm not going to lie, it's hard to keep the Brooklyn accent PG. I have so many directions that we could say, but we keep this a clean family show. Yeah, it's really hard to do the Brooklyn accent without using curse words, but we try, we try, and that's part of our art. Um, but anyways, we are almost done with this podcast. We are going to move right into our eclair, which is our positive advice. And so since I went first last week, Michael, you're going to go first this week. Well, I just want to encourage everybody with the eclair. Uh, it's Monday we're all taking our journeys in life, and I'm sure I've said this before, but wow, I did the New York accent to where um, I came into the eclair and said, I told you before, and just kept going. Anyways, um, we've talked about this before, but everybody's on their path of life, and you know everybody has their hills and valleys. I just want to encourage you, just because the hill or the valley is foggy, don't give up, don't give up hope, and keep keep working through it even if you feel like you can't see your hand in front of your face sometimes uh just trust the process trust the plan that you have for yourself uh trust that you're moving in the right direction because really um you could be right there on the cusp of getting exactly where you want and if you turn around right now you, you would have just been right there and you did all that work for absolutely nothing so just keep going on your path and on your journey and don't let a little fog deter you or a little bit of weather deter you. You'll make it through, and um, you'll once you get up to that peak, it'll be all worth it in the end. Good job. Good word. Good word. All right, mine is, I don't know if I've said this before, but if I have, I'm going to say it again because it's probably for someone. Uh, forgiveness is a powerful thing, and we hear a lot about, you know, you need to forgive somebody. You need to forgive somebody. And, yeah, you need to forgive whoever it is that you need to forgive. Um, but also sometimes you got to forgive yourself, man. Like you just really have to forgive yourself. I think 
forgiving ourselves is the hardest part. Um, but forgiveness is a very powerful thing because it's not for the other person. It's for yourself. I've heard this before is when you hold unforgiveness, it's like drinking poison and hoping the other person will die. And let me be very clear about this because a lot of people get forgiveness and reconciliation very confused. A lot of people think that in order to forgive somebody, you have to have a relationship with them again. No, if someone has hurt you in the past, uh, you can still forgive them, but you don't have to be in a relationship or even talk to that person. You know, some people, you know, maybe they've been victims of abuse or rape or anything. You can still forgive that person without ever having to have contact with them again. And I tell people this all the time. It's very important to know uh, the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation because you can forgive somebody, but maybe that person doesn't need a doorway back into your life because that person is a dangerous person. So you can still forgive somebody without having to let them back into your life. And there's no shame and there's nothing wrong with that. That doesn't mean that you haven't forgiven them. It just means that you're protecting yourself and protecting your boundaries. And I'm so tired of when people say, oh, in order to forgive somebody, you got to be all nice and chipper and happy and be buddy buddy with them. No, that's not true. But forgiveness is an important thing. So remember to forgive other people. Most importantly, forgive yourself. Uh, and that's my positive advice. That's great advice, man. Very good word. I, I absolutely agree. Especially, I mean, the you can you can forgive, but you don't have to forget certain things because end of the day, you don't have to go through that over and over and over again. And some people just aren't going to change. So, um, but anyways, we appreciate you guys so much. TVTrashCan.com, TVTrashCan.com. Hey, the website's been out a week now. Um, go go on there. Tell us what you think. Uh, hit us up on social media if you want. You know, Facebook, Instagram. Find us on YouTube. All that good jazz. All that good stuff. Well, we are so happy that you guys have listened with us. We really thank you, all of our listeners. Uh, we know that it's been 36 episodes. Man, we've come a long way since episode one, haven't we, Micah? Yes, we have. I've listened back to even our earlier ones, and, and man, we've, uh, we sound not like so much different, but we've definitely come into our own and kind of have a better flow, and it's, it's just getting better all the time, man. Yeah, I, th I don't think a lot of people realize how much work we actually put into this. And I think to be a successful podcast, you have to put work into it. A lot of people think, oh, yeah, I'm going to do a podcast. All I have to do is just talk and put it out there. No, in order to have a successful podcast, we, you know, we don't plan out everything, but we do have a structure. And even on days where we're both tired and we're both, uh, you know, not really feeling at our best, we still give our best. We still give our 120% because we are that dedicated to you guys and we appreciate y'all. So know that we put on all this hard work for you and we appreciate it. But we're going to sign off. Make sure you guys listen so you can get those God's Not Dead 15 tickets. Just kidding. <laughs> but anyways, uh, I'm Chris. And I'm Micah. And this is the Donut Box Podcast. See y'all.